You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number one. Yep, the very first one. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in today and uh, taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me wherever this finds you, whether that is in the car, driving, if you are in the office, or if you are at home, um, or on a plane, or a train, or a bus, or an automobile, um, wherever you are, thanks for uh, thanks for listening and being part of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry community. Thanks also for serving the students and families that you do serve whether that is as a youth pastor, a youth worker, full-time, bivocational, volunteer. Um, thanks for what you do and the impact and difference that you make in the lives of those that you serve. Today's episode is going to be a little different than what will follow. Um, and so in today, I want to just kind of share a little bit about me, who I am, in case you are not familiar with that. Let you know a little bit what you can expect from the podcast and uh, what you will find here um, as these episodes come out. I have been in youth ministry at the time of this recording just just at 15 years. I began my youth ministry career, I guess if you'll call it, as a youth pastor at 18 years old, which is crazy. Um, But my call to youth ministry really came much, much earlier I grew up in a pretty traditional church, great church, with a, a pastor who loved Jesus for sure, and a smaller church, maybe your, your average-sized church there, never really heard much about a call to ministry, didn't really know much about that. We didn't even really have a youth pastor. We were largely led by volunteers and youth workers who were really, really faithful to love and invest in the lives of uh, the kids and the and the youth group there, and I'm so very grateful and thankful for them. There was a season when I was about 13 where we were uh, kind of without somebody at that time, and um, it, it just wasn't uh, wasn't really strong and healthy in the in the youth ministry. And I really felt like at that time that I was going to be able to kind of fix the youth group. And I remember going to my pastor and kind of telling him pretty bluntly, uh, I can fix this. And, uh, you know, at 13, I had really no idea what I was doing. I just knew something wasn't right. And I had some thoughts on how to fix that. Um, And that was probably early on the Lord beginning to work in my heart and life, kind of turning me uh, towards that direction, but I didn't really recognize it as that. I had no desire to be in youth ministry or in the ministry at all. I'd really planned on, all the way up until graduation, really planned on doing architecture and had taken a lot of classes in high school that were transferring ahead for credit, some CAD stuff and engineering things, and had planned on uh, really moving forward in that direction. Um, and then, you know, as as often happens, God has a way of getting your attention, and he certainly did in mine. Uh, growing up, I had uh, pretty bad asthma. I, I had asthma before asthma was cool, 
Like I had the inhaler that nobody really wanted and spent a good bit of my childhood in the hospital, in and out of the hospital. The only summer camp I ever went to was asthma camp, which was as amazing and fun as it sounds. We, The only two, three things I really remember um, from that week is that there was a guy in the bunk above me who was a little older than me, who was big times into Dungeons and Dragons, which if you're uh, not familiar with that, uh, that's probably not a bad thing. But, uh, you know, everybody thought that was satanic. So I couldn't sleep at night because I thought this guy was going to, was pure evil. All he talked about was witches and warlocks. And I thought for sure he was going to take me in the middle of the night and sacrifice me to something. And uh, and then I remember going on this hike at night. Uh, we A trust hike, they called it. And so you'd put your shoulders kind of on the, uh, on the, or your hands on the shoulders of the person in front of you and walk through these trails. The very front was a counselor with a flashlight so he could see where he was going, of course. And we were all uh, totally blind in the darkness there in the woods uh, where we were. And as you got to a rock, you were supposed to kind of tap your foot on that so the people behind you would know that there was a rock there and they would tap their foot and then so on and so forth. So, uh, you would learn to trust each other. Well, it didn't take long to for me to figure out that if I didn't tap my foot, that things got real fun and interesting behind me. And then I realized that more fun than that was to tap when there wasn't anything. And so uh, I remember that, and that was pretty crazy. And then I remember somebody coming in uh, one day with two five-gallon buckets, two white five-gallon buckets, and filling them with water. And they had a cooler with them as well. And they reached into the cooler, and they pulled out two lungs from a cow. One was a healthy lung and one was not. And I remember him throwing in the water and saying, this is a healthy lung. It floats in the water. And this lung is not healthy. It's like yours. And it it sinks. And uh, I I don't know what the point was really, except, uh, you know, you'll never swim. I, I don't know. You're, it was not very encouraging. It was a pretty miserable week of camp. Um, Asthma camp was my first experience of camp. Uh, maybe that's why I'm a youth pastor. I don't. I don't know. Um, but I was pretty sick. I was not really able to be involved in sports much. Um, played soccer for about four games in the fourth grade until I got kicked in the face and quit and that kind of thing. But when I was a freshman in high school, I uh, I joined the baseball team. And I quickly became friends with a guy who was a little bit older than me. And, and uh, we were, man, we became best friends. We were together every day. Things at my house, my home life were uh, crazy, to say the least. I didn't like being at home. I didn't really want to bring friends over um, to it at the time. And so we would we would just kind of hang out a lot. Where I grew up in the small town, there wasn't much to do except go to Walmart and play the video games in the arcade. Um, so we spent a lot of time doing that and eating at Taco Bell once they opened Taco Bell there. And we were just together a bunch and uh, we'd kind of fallen out a little bit. My junior year, a few years later, uh, fight over something silly, like a girl or something, I think. And um, just hadn't been talking. He had graduated at that point, was a freshman in college on a full ride. It had graduated valedictorian of our, our class and was doing very well in school. And, um, he he was killed in a car accident and um pretty suddenly he was in the car with a few other guys I played baseball with and 
I remember watching the news that night and seeing the accident, the car, and thinking, man, I wonder if I know who that is. Um, didn't think a whole lot of it, went to bed, woke up the next morning, went to school late like I always did, walked in, and um, was not really getting in trouble. You could tell something was wrong by the looks on people's faces. And so I found out what had happened. My, my best friend there had, had been killed on scene, and another good friend of mine was in the hospital pretty badly injured and so off we went to the hospital where we waited for a couple days until they um, finally pronounced him uh, and uh, and then it was funerals for teenagers man and how do you process and deal with that at 16 17 years old I just couldn't I'd kind of been out of church at that point for a little while as well and um, I, I just had no frame of reference to process that it except for anger um, a lot of anger Spent the better part of the summer at a cemetery, um, talking to the ground and yelling at the sky. And then uh, and going into my senior year of high school, I had a great friend who was so patient, a godly friend, and just kept inviting me to a prayer group that they had formed that was meeting before school. I had no interest in going. I had no time for God really at that moment in my life and certainly didn't want to get up earlier. I was already late every day as it was to school, but one day she wore me down with her persistence, and I showed up, and it was just a small group, I mean, less than 10 probably there, and they just prayed for each other, and prayed for the school, and the teachers, and the principal, and the administration, and uh, man, it, it it just, it did something inside me, there was something there that I had been missing for a long time, and suddenly I felt something kind of awaken in me again. And they would take turns leading a devotion, and I'd been coming for a, a little while there. I, I just kept going back. I could not go after the first time there. And finally, they asked me to lead the devotion. I, I didn't get up in front of people much. I, I didn't like talking in front of folks, which is really funny now. And But I, I agreed to do a devotion, and I, I don't know what it was from, something in Isaiah, you know, I picked a real easy book. And I was up all night preparing for that little five-minute devotion, and I, and I gave that devotion the next day, and it was like someone uh, just turned the light on in my life in the sense of it just completely felt like I had fallen into something that I was genuinely meant to do. And, and I don't know how to explain it other, other than maybe just saying that. And that really, that really uh, began to change my life. I'd gone back to my pastor after that and talked to him about um, just wanting to, actually, I think I said something like, I want to be a preacher like you. And his advice to me has been invaluable. I've written about this on the blog before, um, but his his advice to me was to run and and not to be disobedient to the Lord's call. But he said, "I, I want you to go away and I want you to be certain of this. And when you are certain that you can do nothing else in life and be obedient and fulfilled, then I want you to come back and talk to me. And I, I left really frustrated if I'm just going to be transparent and honest here. I, I really, I mean, I thought, then this guy's going to be stoked. I, I'm telling him I'm wanting to be just like him. Like that's, that's such a flattery, you know, what a, what a great thing that, that I should be, want to be like him. And 
And he was so patient and gracious and godly in that. And that, that really has saved my ministry so many times in the last 15 years. Um, but I did. I came back to him. It took me maybe about three or four weeks. And I came back there to him and said, no, I, this is it. I, I want to be I want to be used in this way. I feel like God's calling me to this. I feel like this is what I need to be doing with my life. And he was completely supportive from there forward. And I began to be discipled uh, by him. And there was another retired pastor there in um, our church who just took me under his wing, really helped me learn to study and preach and all of the things that go into preaching aside from just the message as far as just voice inflection and projection and eye contact and um, just just the importance of connecting. How do you communicate out? You know, beyond what you have to say and the structure of your message or sermon. How do you communicate effectively? And uh, again, just that that has shaped my ministry and my life so very much. They began pushing me pretty hard, both of them, to go to Bible college which was something I had not considered really at that point. And so off I went on the tour, ended up uh, going to a Bible college in North Carolina. Again, very certain in that direction that that, that was the school that God led me to. And um, a few weeks in to my first semester there, the they had a revival team and uh, on campus, mostly filled with the seminary students there. And they they invited me to be a part of their revival team, which was a, a really big deal. And, and I, I don't think I quite understood at the time how significant that was and how rare of an opportunity that was. And so I, I was on the revival team. And, and the way that worked is there were, there were churches in the area that needed someone to come in and do do something for them. They would call and uh, the, the coordinator of that that kind of revival team for the school there would send us out to wherever we would go. And I kept getting sent to do the youth ministry stuff. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was 17 when I started college, just maybe for a month or so and turned 18, like later, you know, just after that into that fall semester. But uh, I was definitely much younger than the other guys. And I just felt at the time, like I was kind of being disrespected a little or like they had invited me to be a part of the team just so they wouldn't have to go mess around with the students. And I was really, really frustrated with that. I felt like I wasn't getting taken seriously. I wasn't having serious opportunities to really to preach and to, to be used. And yet, over the course of that year, after doing youth ministry event, after youth ministry event, youth ministry event, God really began to change and shape my heart, turn my heart towards students and student ministry, and even even at that time, towards student pastors. And and so the end of that year in May, I had a good friend of mine who said, "Hey, I know this guy who is at a, a pretty you know fairly small church. They can't afford a youth pastor, but they're looking for somebody to come up and volunteer. And I think you would do a good job for them. I'd like for you to consider going and serving and and." Um, and just kind of at least pray through it. And I was not interested for sure, but he was persistent again. And um, so finally I went and met with him, talked with him, and I agreed to do it. And And I don't know if it was so much at the time because I felt like God was calling me to do it, or I just didn't really have anything else 
to do, and I thought I'd just give it a shot and a try, but I did, and very, you know, small church of 50 folks, if everybody came, and, um, you know, youth group of about five to 10, depending on if friends were present or not, and I was there for about two and a half years. I would have probably stayed longer. My pastor ended up going to the mission field, and they really couldn't afford to... Um, at that point, they had pay, they were paying me a little bit in gas because I was driving a pretty good bit to get there, and they just kind of couldn't afford to do that anymore. Um, and with the pastor leaving, there was some uncertainty there as to the future of the church. And so we we had really... Uh, prayerfully considered that and spent did spend a lot of time in that because we had invested quite a bit and we stepped down and left there spent about six months at a church plant just attending as members before uh before we took our next position by that point my my wife and i got married um and during the time of that i was serving there in that first church so when when we went to our second church um it was kind of a family decision there. We we ended up serving a uh, part-time basis, so it's bivocational there. I had worked at the YMCA, really uh, gotten a job at the Y um, early on in my in college as, as well there, working as an after-school counselor and uh, then running some after-school stuff for middle school and some camps and eventually teen director there, uh, middle school teen director for a few years. And so I was bivocational at both churches and the second church we were there i was their first legitimate youth pastor they had had a guy maybe for a few months kind of on a trial thing and it just didn't work out and so they called me to come in i was bivocational and dual role i was youth and children and for the first probably two months three months we were there uh, we would have our midweek youth service and no one would show up but my wife and i and we just spent week after week after week just praying for those who would come and praying for the parents and the families that we would minister to in the future. And um, it was a, it was a very difficult start. It was not certainly what you kind of envision or imagine, you know, at the first church we'd been at, there were at least students present when we showed up. And I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We were reading everything we could find and, if it sounded fun, we were doing it. We were making stuff up. We had a million lock-ins the first year, um, which, you know, was insane in and of itself that we would do any. But we were just doing what we could, the best that we could. And and so kind of thinking you got a few things figured out. You, you get to the next place, and all of a sudden, there's nobody really there. And so we just prayed and invested and loved on and um, eight years later, we we left there with a student ministry that had grown to, you know, about 45 students and I'm still dual role. So I was looking at, you know, 100 plus kids all told between our children's programs. And, and at that point, um, took my first full-time position very reluctantly. So did not want to be, did not want to leave was content. I was working a lot of jobs to provide for my family there. And um, we have have four kids, so that was quite a bit to provide for a lot of people to feed. And, uh, but just the, the God is in his patience and his persistence really opened the door. And I moved into a full-time position 
um, for uh, the church that we're at now, which we've been at at this time, time of the recording, about five years, right at five years, actually. Um, and it, it's been quite the journey. I don't know that I, I, well, I do know, I would never have picked this or thought that this is where we would be. But man, we've learned so much and seen God do so many things. And then, you know, along the way have had a lot of things, good, bad, and all in between happen. have experienced a lot, have, have watched other friends who are in ministry um, quit and, and give up, walk away from ministry. In, in the time that we have served, we have seen uh, friends uh, jump from church to church to church to church to church to church, and a lot of a lot of that as well, and and some of that legitimate, you know, needed needed to happen. And I, I'm not God; I can't say for sure whether or not, you know, that was where God was leading or folks whether He was leading them away from ministry or whether he was leading them from church to church. But I do know that in our ministry and in our life, that some of the greatest blessing has been through just staying and have seen God do some amazing things just through longevity and not just in staying in ministry over the long haul. Although, man, we're such in a cool season of blessing right now in that. But just in staying in one place and being able to invest and build those relationships and really cast a vision and watch uh, a class of students come all the way through and out your ministry, it has been it has been very very rewarding. A lot of joy in there. It doesn't come easy, but it is so worth it. And out of that, a deep burden just to help equip. You know, when I started out in youth ministry at eighteen with no idea what I was doing. Every book and resource I was reading was written by um, someone with a huge budget in a huge church or a huge ministry, or uh, was just it was just unattainable for where I was, and, and there wasn't really a go-to for me to go and ask questions to, or a place to go and find just good practical advice and help and tips. And so I really feel kind of obligated at this point, you know, 15 years in to student ministry, have an obligation and responsibility to go back and help those that I can and encourage other youth pastors and youth workers and help help you stay put for the long haul, the longer haul in your ministry as a whole. But beyond that, just stay and invest in the ministry that you're in and watch God do some amazing things through your commitment just to stay put. And it is not easy. It is not easy, and and I know that. It wasn't easy for us to stay, and it wasn't easy for us to leave. And so there are legitimate reasons and times to leave, and there are a whole bunch that I think are not that we kind of make up and and kind of justify some things in that. But I do know that staying put and staying in ministry for the longer haul has been a tremendous blessing in my life and many others that I know that have been able to attain and achieve that. And if you're always starting over, you're always starting over and you're never really seeing through the difficulty to to the joy that that comes down the road. And we've, I've written several blog posts on thelongerhall.com uh, about this. There's, there's one on why I think youth pastors leave every two to three years. And that, that is a, a real popular post on there. It's, it's one of the most popular posts 
that, that I've written there. There's another, uh, where I talk about benchmarks in youth ministry, that, that every, every youth ministry or youth pastor that I know and in my own life and experience, there are certain places along the way in your ministry that, that you're going to hit that, that is going to kind of, you can expect certain things to happen at, at certain points. And if you're not prepared for that, you won't recognize those things coming. And that can absolutely sabotage your ministry in that. Um, and then if you're just running too much, you're not building really good teams, you're not, um, you're not really ministering with a plan or a vision, you're not, you don't have goals set, you're, you're going to short circuit before you even start, and you're going to find yourself just really frustrated and discouraged. And the sad part is you, you'll most likely leave and go to a different church, serve at a new place, and you'll experience the same thing over again. And because you, the the underlying issue and problems are not necessarily always within the church itself, it's just that you know you're you're not allowing yourself to grow past um, where where God's taken you. And so, uh, I really want to see you last. I want to see you make a deep, deep influence in the lives of the students and families that you serve. And there are there are some practical, uh, easy things. There's some uh, some more difficult things. But it it is doable and attainable, and and you can do that. I never thought in a million years that I would be a youth pastor, and especially in even in high school, going through such a crazy circumstance, you know, as a sixteen, seventeen year old through the loss of a of a friend, very unexpectedly, uh, man, I, I wouldn't have thought that God would have used that for. Um, for such good in my life and the impact and influence that has carried. Uh, I, I am, I'm not the man I was or would have been without that. And in, in a, in a weird way, it may sound weird, but I, I, I'm so grateful for the friendship that I had there. And I'm grateful for how the Lord used the events of that to propel me forward in life. And there are a whole lot of students over the last 15 years that we've been able to see come to Christ and grow in their faith that are now ministering on their own merit and, and pouring and investing to others that, that all happened as a result of the life of a friend of mine uh, in high school and how God used, you know, even his death to propel the gospel forward. And so it was, uh, I'm just grateful for the Lord's mercy and patience in, in that and in my life. And so, uh, this podcast will largely be much like the blog in the sense that I'll try to be pretty practical for you. Um, a lot of I want it to make I want to make sure that whether you're at a, an average sized church, if you've got ten or fifteen kids, or or if you're um, you know like me starting out, you got no kids showing up yet. It's just you, or if you're in a significant church, much larger, you're running a few hundred kids. These the things that you find here hopefully scale either way. So the hope with the podcast is that it will be uh, largely interview driven. I want to give some voice out to those who are influencing and impacting um, youth ministry in all manner of things. And so you'll hear from other youth pastors. You'll hear from folks who are uh, really helping and creating some tools and uh, some things to help propel the youth ministry forward. You'll hear. Uh, from from a whole gamut of folks as we go and move forward. And then you'll also hear some solo shows with just me um, as well, just kind of uh, sharing my heart from time to time as as we go through. I hope you really find it helpful and enjoyable. 
Um, if you have any questions or if you've got, if you have things that you would like to see covered or folks that you would like to see, you can go to uh, thelongerhall.com slash podcast and there is a place there for you to leave a voice message right from your very own computer and we will get those. If you leave questions there, we will answer those for you as as we have an opportunity to do that. Otherwise, uh, you can check us out uh, there. You can check me out on the blog and and email me by any means, Jody at thelongerhall.com and J-O-D-Y at thelongerhall.com. And if there's ever anything that I can help you with, encourage you with, I really would be, it'd be my privilege to do that, um, to pray for you. I regularly pray for those who are part of the Longer Hall community who are uh, on, especially those who are on our mailing list, because I have those names in front of me, so I can more specifically pray for those. Um, but it's been quite the journey so far. I'm excited to see what lays ahead, or what lies ahead, I guess, would be proper there. Um, but thanks for tuning in today. If if you are uh, enjoying the podcast, if you're finding, if you just find it helpful, if man, if you if you could go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a positive review there. Um, that would be great. Really helps us. Helps me. I say us. It's just me. Helps me uh, be found. Helps others find the podcast and other youth pastors who will uh, hopefully benefit from this as well. So uh, that's really it for today. You can leave comments, questions you have on the show notes over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 001. thelongerhall.com slash episode 001. If you have some time to scoot over there, that would be great. I would love to kind of hear your journey, how you ended up in youth ministry. What is it that keeps you um, going? What is it that propels you forward in youth ministry and continues to uh, get you uh, fired up for ministering and reaching students and families. Um, and you can leave that there. I would love that to see that and share there. Uh, also, you can uh, subscribe to The Longer Haul um, over there as well, and you can get updates that are sent to you, resources. There's a free youth ministry uh, bundle there that you can download when you sign up for that. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Check out those show notes. And until next time, give them Jesus. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.